Applications are now open for the Curtin University Northern Territory Advanced Acronym Course for 2022. Enroll today. Welcome to Season 1, Episode 15 of Beyond the Zero. I'm your host, Ben. Joining me today is Rick Harsh. Rick is the author of The Manifold Destiny of Eddie Vegas, and he's also an editor and publisher, and he joins us today from Isola in Slovenia. Welcome to the show, Rick. Well, you're, you're, uh, you're more, than, more than welcome. I mean, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for having me. How's life in Slovenia? Uh, well, you know, it, it, it's, um, it's a Mediterranean town uh, on the Adriatic. And uh, uh, so we get we get the the Mediterranean weather, and if you read Fernand Braudel, you find out that uh, uh, the Mediterranean is often one of the coldest places in the world because it it it's so warm and uh, that that uh, and and pleasant, and it has a Mediterranean climate. So people forget about you know winter. And uh, um, and are not prepared for winter. And throughout history, uh, places like Spain and you know where we're mountainous and so on, it's a peninsula, you know, the uh, Iberian Peninsula, uh, and they're not prepared for winter. They, and they cannot be prepared. And it's been a, an insufferable place. But here on the coast, uh, in the modern day it's 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 more like when do we turn on the heat well you're not far from from italy are you like that's just across the border uh yeah i, I uh if you want to get the hell out of town uh i can take you from here by car to the train station in trieste in 25 minutes and um then you got two hours to venezia and you know so you're yeah, it's a good location. Trieste is just really close, and um, and we we have gone there a lot because uh, my son played baseball there in in Italy. Okay, let's go back to let's go back to you. So how how did you end up in Slovenia? Uh, well, very very simply, uh, I was never much of a U.S. American uh, patriot. Uh, in fact, from a very early age, uh, I was, uh, uh, I guess, uh, um, anti-U.S. Uh, beginning with, uh, I guess, you know, I, I, I don't know, uh, you know, I, I, when I was, uh, when Muhammad Ali said, you know, great things about the war in Vietnam, I was uh, very young, but I, you know, I, I, I loved Muhammad Ali. And, um, you know, so when he stood up to the government and said, you know, do what you want. Uh, but I, I, you know, I, I got nothing against them, Viet Cong. Uh, you know, I, 
and then I, I through through that kind of thing, I learned about racism in the United States. And uh, so as a very young kid, I was aware of uh, uh, inequity and uh, um, uh, racism and uh, so on. And so, you know, and, and then, then I, I grew up to be a, a person who reads history. And, uh, um, you know, as one professor of mine wrote in a book, about Stalin. Uh, the book wasn't about Stalin, but he mentions Stalin and he says uh, that, you know, Stalin was up against the most, uh, I don't remember how he put it, but to paraphrase, the most ruthless, murderous, dangerous government in the history of the world, um, the United States. And, um, you know, that's something that, that uh, you know, people in the United States don't really think about you know and i guess we have something in common uh with your tanzanian uh compadres you know uh, we you you know the amazing thing about tanzania or tasmania sorry tasmania. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't you know tanzania tasmania you know what's the difference besides climate and language <laughs> and culture uh, yeah, the Tasmanians, they got every last Aboriginal. That's right. You know, and they even all. know which one was last. Mm -hmm. And the United States, you know, they they might as well have killed them all for what they did, you know. Um, and that, that's something that uh, is, you know, I guess uh, they, they, people live with that as if it was nothing. You know, and, uh, you know, they, uh, you, you think of the United States and uh, history and, um, you know, early history and, and you think of slavery and, you know, the Civil War. But, you know, it all had to get started by, you know, gaining territory. And so they, uh, uh, they, they just, they just, went across the continent and when they went out of room you know they had uh sophisticated uh uh economic colonial system that uh was supported by the uh, uh willingness to do whatever it took to um gain access to raw materials and so on and you know so it, it's a brutal history that that is sugar-coated quite often. So anyway, I hated it there. <laughs> and having that view and, and the culture is not, you know, uh, like take take France, you know, they have a pretty ugly colonial history. Just recently, the uh, Macron um, uh, talked about a um, uh, a, a very bloody night in Paris, where uh, in 61, I think Algerians um, protested the um, the war in 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 Algeria, and uh, the police slaughtered them, you know, bodies in the Seine and whatever. But you know, but France is pretty has always been you know a place of high culture. So I didn't have that to fall back on either because, you know, 
the United States is the place uh, that uh, 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 propagates low culture. And so that combination of history and culture uh, was such that I always wanted to get the fuck out of there. <laughs> so, uh, and it didn't work out uh, in, in several attempts, and finally it did. Uh, uh, the right circumstances came together. My wife lost her job, um, and I thought uh, I, I was beginning to have a writing career. Uh, books were getting published, and I thought that'll keep going, and wherever we live won't matter. And we came over here and chose Slovenia because uh, Croatia was uh, still in economic hell. The year was 2001. And so Slovenia seemed like a place where I could get paid to teach English. Which places did what? you go to before you tried Slovenia? Oh, uh, oh my. Uh, India, primarily. That was my number one spot and still would be if I was young enough to consider. Um, uh, uh, I love India. Uh, but be, uh, I also tried uh, um, Tokyo. Uh, uh, I didn't really try Hong Kong, but considered it uh, Cabo San Lucas, Mexico. I mean, uh, a, a number of places, but there, there were too many, uh, and it would be really way too much to go into what went wrong. Uh, but this time it all went right. Are you fluent now? No, no. Uh, my wife is. My children are born here. Uh, but. Um, you know, I, I'm not going to come on your podcast and apologize for my shit Slovene, but I'll tell you one thing, uh, um, you know, I, I, um, I have a good reason for not being fluent, and it's an economic reason, basically. You know, if you want to be a writer and uh, make a living and, you know, if you dedicate yourself to writing, you're in your own language almost every free moment because way too much of your time is spent making a living. That's more or less my explanation. But I had a nice story, uh, you know, because uh, people will, uh, you know, say, hey, you know, your Slovene is really good. If you, if you know five or six words, you know, they're really impressed. They're used to people not knowing any Slovene because it's a tough language. And, uh, um, you know, I, 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 uh, I'm often criticized by people for not knowing my Slovene after 20 years, and I understand them, and, you know, and I, I'm very uh, uh, graceful about that, you know, and um, self-effacing, unless um, I don't really, uh, unless I'm a little tired of the person <clears throat> involved if they, they go about it in the wrong way, and so the other day I was sitting with a friend of mine who is uh, from Slovenia and speaks English and Slovene. And this guy uh, who uh, bugs me once in a while uh, heard that the guy was speaking Slovene a little and said, oh, uh, you know, T.C. Slovenitz. You know, he said, ah, you're Slovene. And then he said in Slovene, you should be speaking with him in Slovene, teaching him Slovene. And, uh, you know, I could follow what they were saying. And, and uh, so I said uh, to my friend, I said, Jelko, translate for me. 
And to make a long story short, I said, tell him that there's a really good reason that I don't want to learn Slovene. And I said, "Uh, okay, here's the reason. Because I fucking hate Slovenes. (laughs) 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 Guy told me to go back to where I was going. And then I started speaking Slovene because I can speak a little. And I said, no, I don't have to go home. I can just go to Croatia. It's right over there. Uh, You know, much better place. (laughs) He got really angry. Um, But it was fun. So there's your answer. (laughs) That's a good answer. Earlier in the year, I got in touch with you and you sent me um, The Manifold Destiny of Eddie Vegas and The Cult of the Cactus. Did you pay for it? I did. And it cost it cost Thank a bit you. from Australia as well, <laughs> but it did. It came very quickly, and it was a nice brown paper. Well done. For those who haven't read Manifold Destiny of Eddie Vegas, do you want to tell us a bit about it? Basically, uh, I I would tell it this way. There's a yeah. uh, uh, the the narrative has two parts. Basically, the the two young guys in the present, um, and the um parallel narrative is one that uh um or the other narrative tells the story of one of the guys one of the young guys family mm-hmm. and so that's the historical part so in in the uh um the modern part um the they're really, uh, it, it, you know, it, it might be conspiratorial, but I'm basically basing it um, on, and this is important to me because uh, one of the reasons I wrote it, you know, if you ask me what, what is the main reason you, you wanted to write that book, I don't really remember. I just know it was all there when I started it. But um, uh, I, wanted, I wanted to do what... Mario Vargas Yosa did in uh, um, conversation in the cathedral, but he very openly begins a book with, you know, what at what point did Peru become fucked up? Um, and this was my, you know, my uh, what? How did uh, the U.S. get so fucked up? Because what what I uh, the the historical parts are my attempt to kind of um through through um actual events um that the the people live through to get to the point that are commented on in in the the modern parts where the two young guys are uh you know and the the um the conspiratorial stuff invo- involves a very real and and dangerous uh, organization called Blackwater, um, which was, a, you know, a result of the United, St- United States military privatizing and hiring out um, these military groups. Um, if if um, you followed the uh, Iraq, the second Iraq war, um, Blackwater was uh became very well known for uh massacres and uh so on and when they went into fallujah which is one of the uh really really ugly chapters in military history um when the u.s went into fallujah 
um, and using white phosphorus and, you know, telling the men to leave and the women to leave. And I don't know how that worked out now, but, and also <clears throat> the, the reason I don't want conspiracy attached to the book is because uh, 9-11 is, is used, but what, what happens is one of the two young guys is fascinated by the footage and uh and he 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 doesn't know what he's after but he watches it repeatedly and um you know he has different clips of people jumping and you know buildings falling and he tries to get um uh there is another conspiracy um an opponent uh of the war is probably assassinated in las vegas and he wants the guy, you know, in the Luxor Hotel, this is true stuff, uh, is, you know, it's, it's, it's a pyramidal, uh, it's a pyramid, you know. And uh, the, the problem, if you imagine how that works inside the casino hotel, uh, if, you, if it's pyramid shaped, everybody uh, has... No matter what floor you're on, it looks like there's nothing underneath you, and it's a <laughs> it has some sort of a, there are a high number of suicides there. So that's where the guy is killed, and the, he witnesses a bullet-headed guy, a bald guy, going down, and and his father is, uh, um, and this is where I have fun with the 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 Blackwater stuff. His father is in Blackguard, um, which is a competitor of Blackwater. And, uh, you know, the, with slogans such as, you know, uh, safety without the murders, uh, you know, and stuff like that. So uh, the he's in there with talking to his father in the Luxor and this politician with a bullet head goes down and he knows his father has enough connections to get the uh, uh, the footage of the head hitting. He's fascinated by the, by the idea of the head hitting the floor. And um, he wants the footage, and he's angry at his father for not getting it for him. Uh, so the purpose of uh, the conspiratorial uh, is to talk about the real, um, what really happened. And what really happened uh was uh you know the war in iraq and uh um uh the drones and and the vietnam war um and anyway okay that's that's <laughs> I, I i i don't much talk about this you know i people don't often ask they just either buy the book or not or you know it's well received people like it it's fun i think your book the reason i think that i liked it anyway and i'm sure a lot of people that liked liked it as well is part of that that you do mix a lot of things that are quite real and then quite um i hate to use the word postmodern but i think that's probably what a lot of people see in it that it does bend a lot of rules it does uh really 
I guess make you question like what's true and what's not like it's got a bit of that paranoia it's got a bit of that road trip it's got wild west in there it's just got a, a nice mashup of different things um uh, yeah yeah well and also the rabelaisian lists which are you know uh this is you know paradoxically they are or ironically or absurdly postmodern um because it's rabelais you know but um you know the 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 Rebel, I, I've always loved Rabelaisian, Rabelaisian lists, and I, I love that about Rabelais. You know, just the utter absurdity. You know, it's very Dada. Um, mm. You know, and uh, uh, and in in this, uh, you know, I don't don't want to ruin the book for people, but you know, the how the lists work um, is the first couple of lists are pure wordplay and Rabelaisian fun. Um, although there, I don't know if you caught the acrostic. Did you get the acrostic? The first, the first list. Yeah, I'm gonna have a look in the book. Hang on. Okay, what? How? Read the read the few words leading into the um, the so got, sure the list. For there were many and oft drunkenly accomplished one acrostically, and that includes acrostically. Even. There you go. There's your hint. Okay, start now. Go to about the seventh one. Yeah. And uh, just there's an acrostic. Uh, they. They slit Fitz Packer's throat. Yeah. So if you want to know what happened to that guy, it's to it's told right there, and that's it. Wow. Okay. <laughs> that's pretty cool. Okay. <laughs> that was fun. Yeah. I wanted to get rid of him, you know. But yeah. uh, so that's that's what happened to him. Anyway, okay. so that that's a that's pure Rabelaisian fun. Yeah. You know, um and the next list is like that too. I think it's, you know, what they did in the whorehouse. Yeah. Um but by the time you get to the last list yeah, they get quite serious, don't they? Well, it, it's serious and hilarious at the same mm. time. It's a U.S. government bombing itself um, 1,070 times, and they ha these are the actual names, the real names, uh, you know, of... I mean, because every time they had an operation or whatever, uh, a, a uh, every time they had an experiment, it was given an, a mm. name. Yeah. And so the, if you look at the actual names... Um, it quite a some of them are good. Yeah. Well, there's 1,070. Yeah. And mm. they're bizarre. Yeah. They're bizarre. But the the whole thing is the whole it's the it's a it's funny because uh, you know in a dark sort of way, this you know a great nuclear power has bombed um, two Japanese cities, um, a few atolls, and uh, and themselves 1,070 times. We'll take a quick break here on Beyond the Zero. We're talking with Rick Harsh. This episode is brought to you by the new Toyota iSlam, with room for the whole militia and still space for a rocket launcher in the back. Available now at Kabul Toyota. We're back on Beyond the Zero. We're talking with Rick Harsh. Did you have an influence uh, writing that book? 
no. any writers? Uh, I didn't have any influence writing that book. I'd been influenced. Um, there's no denying. I wrote, wrote that book uh, 2013 to 15. So um, I was in my 50s. And by the time you're in your 50s, if you've been writing um, the whole time, uh, who knows? Uh, you know, I mean, I don't. I, I know that Poe was very important to me when I was young. I know that Moby Dick was very important to me. I, I know that Blaise Sandrard was very important to me. Henry Miller was important. Um, and but I cannot Kafka was important, but I, I, I really don't know during that book, you know, who was important other than obviously Rabelais. Um, but I, I don't know how important because such the uh, it's homage, you know, to Rabelais as well. So I really don't know. Um, was Hunter Thompson, um, you know, I, I, I honestly can't say who influences my writing now um, and why one book is much different from another and where that book came from I really will never know um, yeah because I, I, I I've written a lot of books but uh, that was the uh, one uh, maximalist novel and the I don't know if uh, Olaf Palme is a maximalist novel I suppose it probably is, but it's a you know completely different um, set of circumstances and and rules. Um, so I really don't know. Let's talk about <laughs> the cactus boots for a minute. That's another book that I think is getting quite a lot of press at the moment. How do you like? What's the feedback you're getting at the moment from that book? Because I think it's, it's from cactus boots. Yeah. Uh, best feedback. And maybe the worst, I don't know, was uh, Dalkey Archive. I don't know if you know much about their circumstances, but you've certainly heard of them. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, they, uh, what, what did I see recently that was published by, oh, The Tunnel by William Gass. Um, most serious readers of literature know that book. That was first published by Dalkey Archive, I believe. Yeah, and, uh, so that's a significant press. Yeah, and um, and they went to hell over the last few years, you know. And and it, you know, people in the uh, <clears throat> on the inside of the book world uh, know certain things, like Stephen Moore has his involvement, and um, Michael Silverblatt. Do you know Michael Silverblatt? Yeah, from Bookworm. Um, I, di I didn't. I just found out about him recently. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm in a weird place for U.S. culture, and mm. uh, but um, you know, he's got a radio show, and you know, he he uh, he knows the people involved with Dalkey, or well, one guy died, the main guy died, um, and uh, we we got a letter. I got a letter first. Um, uh, expressing interest in picking up America and the Cult of the Cactus Boots, a diagnostic. Um, but uh, uh, there was a lot of, uh, the guy The guy seemed sincere, and I believe he is, uh, but I didn't hear from him again. 
And uh, I wrote him and uh, he was sent a couple copies of the book because he lives two hours from the author. And uh, and he's just disappeared off the radar. Uh, uh, and uh, so maybe the Dalkey just does not have the means to uh, pick itself back up and become a major press again. I don't know. But uh, it was pretty exciting for the author. You know, he read you know, dozens of Dalkey books in his lifetime. And then to have him write his first book and have Dalkey interested in picking it up, um, you know, that's pretty exciting. Uh, but then now we haven't heard anything. People love that book. Um, uh, Concavity is a podcast uh, that is pretty well known. Yeah. And yeah. they just did a really great episode with... Uh, um, the author and the illustrator, Philip mm. Friedenberg and Jeff Walton. And uh, they talked uh, more about me than normally happens. The, the funny thing is, uh, I, don't, uh, I guess for people who don't know about that book, um, you haven't read it? No, I have. I love it. It's, yeah, I think it's... Oh, you have read a, it? Yeah, yeah, it's right here. Okay, yeah, I, I, okay. Well, you know, could you give a, a brief summary for people who have read it okay so good luck the basic premise is in some alternate universe uh where the president of the united states has decided to ban books there are two people uh the author and the illustrator who are sitting in their office waiting for your book the manifold destiny of eddie vegas to arrive and throughout the book they receive correspondence from you via a magical radio and in some way basically it, it is uh it's it's a bit of a satire on on the whole trump administration uh in america today and um i guess how culture and society has uh has taken a turn i guess especially in america over the last uh five to ten years i suppose yeah okay i i i like that that's good. I mean, I, I don't know how I would do it, so thank you. Uh, but, uh, you know, uh, my role in this is exaggerated. It's highly exaggerated. Because um, the, the, Philip, Philip is extremely, both of them are extremely funny guys. And uh, um, Phil... The, what, what really started this between me and Phil was that Phil lives on Rugby Road in Buffalo. And uh, we, we communicated and, you know, so, the, so he could order the book. And I saw his address was Rugby Road. And I just, I just thought, man, this is a Tom Waits song. And uh, so I sent him over Instagram uh, a verse that I wrote you know, about Rugby Road in Buffalo. Uh, and I sang it in a Tom Waits type of voice, you know, you know, and, and then they sent me one back and it used cactus boots. And that's, if I have any role in it, it's because I, I got a kick out of Rugby Road. You know, I thought, man, that's got to be a tough place to live, you know, on Rugby Road. and. Uh, but um, later, and this is true, uh, unfortunately, 
somebody asked, uh, I think Noah Clemens of uh, um, Everything Who Reads It Must Converse, he, he did a lot of promotion for the book, not knowing anything more than I did, really, about the capability of Philip Friedenberg. Um, but, uh, I mean, who knows? The guy's never written a novel, and this is his first novel. And uh, But from the beginning, I just said to Phil, you know, yeah, it sounds great. Yeah, I'll publish it. Um, you know, why not? And, uh, it, uh, and, you know, he sent me a couple of snippets that he'd written, and they were all brilliant. And so I, I gradually came to expect that it would be a, a great book. I didn't expect that so many people would find out about it. But somebody, uh, I think Noah asked him uh, on the air, um, well, do you have to read Manifold Destiny of Eddie Vegas to understand your book? And unfortunately, the true answer is no. And, uh, and so I, I, you know, and that's what, that's what they said. And I, I contacted Phil and I said, you know, I, I, I think you have a better answer. The answer is no, but why wouldn't you? <laughs> and so, so really, you know, I mean, my book did not inspire him. It, the content of my book did not inspire this novel. Uh, what inspired this novel was Phil's desire to write a novel for 20 years, knowing that it, he wasn't ready and figuring out that he was ready. It sparked it. Uh, but what sparked it was not my novel. It was my communication with him um, inadvertently sparked it. So um, my role in this is highly exaggerated. I happen to sell it. Um, and, uh, you know, um, he, he, he gives me a lot of credit for encouraging him and so on, but I don't think that he could have been discouraged. And all I had to do to encourage him was say, uh, yeah, boy, this is, this is sounding interesting. Yeah, this is going good. You know, it sounds, I didn't read it as it went on. I didn't read it till after I published it. And, uh, um, you know, it just turned out to be. Uh, um, the amazing thing is how it connects with readers in ways that you cannot uh, plan or predict. Um, the biggest seller uh, for Corona Samizdat was Eddie Vegas, mostly because Chris Villa, um, the uh, reviewer, uh, Leaf by Leaf, um, has a lot of people who watch Chris Villa. Chris Villa is the best, you know, and... Uh, they watch him and they take his advice seriously. And people actually buy books when Chris Villa says this is a good book. So I'm still getting uh, people ordering Manifold Destiny and saying, oh, by the way, it was Chris Villa, you know. And uh, but, uh, Chris Villa also uh, was fascinated by this book and even edited the book. And people are just wild about it. Everybody loves it. You know, Stephen Moore, uh, you know, I don't know. He, he's, he's retired, you know, <clears throat> and, but he's still, an in, he's still interested in books. And he read this and gave it a great uh, uh, blurb. And, uh, you know, every, everybody loves a book. 
So, you know, eventually I will lose it, but I want to lose it to someone who's going to be uh, um, good for Phil, you know, and so. Yeah, it'll be good for it, um, I suppose, eventually when you do lose it to, you know, hopefully a big publisher and it gets some really wide publication. But you've done such a good job with the with the book itself. It just looks beautiful. Such a nice book to yeah. look at. Yeah, the the uh, I I go through it now and then. I need to reread it, and probably everybody will need to reread it because mm. um, you pick up so many things you don't even realize. You know, when you go through, you think, ah, you know, on page eleven, you'll find something that resonates more, and uh, it's an astonishing uh, work. But. Uh, yeah, yeah, it, it will. I, I, I should. I, I got to remember to tell you this. Eddie Vegas um, has been bought by Zero Gram Press. Yeah. Of California, um, they published Stephen Moore's My Back Pages, and uh, you know they're 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 uh, um, they got a nice pedigree. They 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 go back to Sun and Moon Press, which was uh, um, an independent. Um, non-New York press that published great stuff in the on the West Coast and became known, and then split into two two branches: Green Integer, which still does some great stuff, and Zerogram, which still does some great stuff. So uh, I will, uh, when I run out of uh, Eddie Vegas, um, I will stop selling it <clears throat> because it'll come out in March in the United States and I shouldn't be competing with the, uh, uh, the new bigger publisher. That's um, exciting. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm very happy. Uh, uh, they'll, they'll have some marketing, you know, and it'll have a chance to reach people yeah. that it doesn't have right now. Although I'm pretty happy with who it's reached, you know, it's, isn't it? It's astonishing. The number of, uh, great readers on Instagram and uh it's such a nice community of readers I think on Instagram and Twitter there's just so many really uh sensitive and and really well-read people who pick up books yeah. and talk about them so it's really exciting to meet people and talk about exciting books like yours yeah I, I I'm I'm I've been amazed you know there's hunger there's hunger for literature. It's really great. And it's around the world. There, yeah. there, um, uh, there, there's a, a, a convergence. Friedenberg in Cactus Boots talks a lot about convergence. And, um, and, and, and there is this incredible convergence. You know, there's you starting your podcast. Um, I don't know how you know the people you know, but I, uh, um, Myers Metafictional, Travis. Yeah, yeah. Travis is well. Uh, I had no idea, but I talked to him recently. Me and him and Noah have had a couple of three yeah. three way conversations. Menage um, uh, Lille. We'll take a quick break here. We're speaking with Rick Harsh. This episode is brought to you by Thomas Hardy's Tess of the Dobervilles, as read by Kendrick Lamar. 
Death of the Jab reveals a poor woman faithfully presented by Thomas Hardy on an evening in the latter part of May. A middle aged man was walking homeward from Shaston to the village of Marlat in the adjoining Vale of Blackwall, Blackwall. Get it now on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. We're back on Beyond the Zero. We're speaking with Rick Harsh. Rick, is there anything you're currently reading? I, you know, I just reread Blood Meridian. And uh, um, I came to the conclusion that uh, um, Sutri is still the best book by Cormac McCarthy. I'm trying to catch up on what I published. Yeah. Um, I just... I, 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 the last two books we published were uh, Chandler Broussard's The Wolf Leaps mm-hmm. and Zach Tanner's Oscar Submerges. Um, so I finished The Wolf Leaps and I got Oscar Submerges, um, but I just started that. And we have two more books coming out um, this week or next. Um, Swinburne, um, Algernon Charles Swinburne's uh, two erotic novels. Um and uh it's pretty done there's some stunning work done on the books uh stylistically uh the covers and the intros by zachary tanner uh author of oscar submerges and these are going to be two beautiful books um pocket size and uh um uh there so i will be uh and Oscar submerges is 500 some pages and I'm on page 30. So, uh, that that's, I, I try to read other things at the same time, but I'm getting, I don't want to get too far behind. Um, uh, we have another Broussard coming out as well. We just got permission to do, uh, um, another of his books that is out of print and, um, That'll be that'll be the saving grace of our press, you know, because we lose. I can't make money off my own book anymore. Uh, And, you know, that's one way the press has uh, proceeded is uh, uh, every cent I take in from uh, Manifold Destiny has gone back into the press. Um, My idea is to to put out as many books as possible of some quality. early on and and so that you know our catalog has at least 30 books in print and and so on and uh but and then i'm going to lose cactus boots as soon as somebody makes a good offer and so what's left well the big sellers are going to have to be uh uh well i think joao hayes will become a big seller he's going to become a famous writer a portuguese guy written five novels in Portuguese and uh, um, but our Canadians are never going to be big writers I mean they're they are great writers but um, they they're just like you know unfortunates <laughs> and, uh, um, you know uh, great reputation low sales is is what you're always you know that that's their category and I'll, I'll I have more books coming from both of them, and uh, for the, the people who read them, that'll be good. But it won't it won't make money. But Broussard, that's a big story that no one of any uh, 
uh, reach in the United States has picked up on yet. Chandler Broussard is one of the great writers of 20th century uh, United States. And, uh, um, and he's been totally forgotten about. And if you want him, you got to come to us. Uh, we'll have all of his um, writings from 1960 on. And uh, so eventually an article somewhere in New York about this small Slovene press that has Chandler Broussard resurrected and uh, hopefully that'll that'll support the press maybe you'll have like a new stoner on your hands we'll take a quick break and come back with Rick's top 10 Have you always wanted to be a novelist but life just gets in the way? We can help! At failedwriter.com, we will send you out personalised rejection letters from major publishers twice a month so you can show your friends and family and feel like a real writer. Use promo code ANAKEDSINGULARITY for your first 88 letters free. Visit failedwriter.com. We're back on Beyond the Zero, it's time to hear Rick's top 10. All right, Rick, let's start from number one. Moby Dick. Moby Dick. Um, Finnegan's Wake, Middlemarch. Um, Avara Mutis. Maybe Dasha Derndich today. Um, uh, Conversation in the Cathedral. Huh? Which book for Dasha? Uh, well, the only I, I read the, the uh, Sun and Shine. Uh, uh, which is called Trieste in English. Yeah. Because, you know, the English people believe that you can change the title when you, you know, uh, it's called Sunshine. Mm-hmm. It's a very ironic title. Yeah. Uh, and they translate it as Trieste. Uh, I can't remember the names of the other ones. I'm reading one. Belladonna, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've, not, I've not seen anything by her that I haven't just loved and uh but i haven't had my hands fully on them uh till i i I did i somebody sent me belladonna and um and i i'm just reading it uh along with 10 other books you know so uh but i i I love her i wish she was still alive she you know writes about this area quite a bit Mm. um i'm surrounded by dasha derndich's uh ghosts um so, uh, uh, Blaise Sandra, Henry Miller, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, the, the top 10 is always, uh, you know, it's, it, 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 it's never precise. No. So, uh, I guess I got, I, I think, uh, if, uh, Beckett's trilogy would yeah. be an important one, um, uh, Rabelais, mm-hmm. um, you know how can you leave out Don Quixote? Uh, the problem is there. There uh, any top ten list should be a. Uh, you know you you should start the question. I think with now of course your top ten list is includes in some order, yeah. and then you list ten books that they cannot leave out. <laughs> Quixote, 
Gargantua and Pantagruel, uh, Moby Dick, and uh, you can throw in Patrick White if you want. Um, and, you know, but at Middlemarch and, you know, maybe a Virginia Wolf. Nobody can say no to that. Two, you can have two Joyce's. So yeah. beyond those 10, what are your 10 favorites? That's I think that's, that's the only, that's probably the, the best way to do it, I think. Because, you know, <laughs> I mean, uh, if you ask me um, at the right time, I'm going to throw in Berlin Alexanderplatz, Fado Alexandrino. Um, and, you know, the, these are books that, you know, that, you know, you, you cannot knock Fado Alexandrino off my top 10, but I haven't even started talking about Conrad. Yeah. And, you know, uh, Lord Jim and Heart of Darkness, um, you know, and, and then there's uh, the, another book by Antonio Antubes, uh, Antunes. It's yeah. called South of Nowhere, but it should be called uh, Behind uh, the Ass of Judas. I would not have Camus or Satz in my uh, top 10, uh, but I think The Stranger is very important, and probably Sartre's trilogy uh, is, you know, uh, in an, should be in any, everybody's top 300. I'd better wrap it up. Where can people get in touch with you and buy your books? Oh, yeah, thank you. That's a good question. The website is www.coronasamas.com. And, uh, but the easiest way is through email because that, that'll send you to me if you want to order a book. We, we still haven't upgraded our website. We don't have a shopping cart. So uh, R-I-C-K dot H-A-R-S-C-H afna gmail.com and uh the the website will send you there and uh um and then i so everybody i've ever you know i don't know how many books i've sold uh getting towards 2000 and uh um you know every every one of them uh well sometimes people order more than one but it's all personal it's really, uh, it's been very interesting gotten to know a lot of people. Um, and it's, a, you know, at some point it be, will become insupportable, I guess, but it's nice, you know, you actually, you know, every single, you have personal contact with every buyer. That's right. You can get your personal package from Slovenia. All right. Well, thank you very much. I hope that uh, Manifold Destiny goes really well next year with the, uh, zero gram that's very exciting ben thank you it's always uh fun to talk to you no it's been fun <laughs> okay see you in the clouds thanks once again to rick harsh his website is rickharsh.com check out the show notes for all the details you can find us on twitter and instagram at beyond zero pod and you can email us at beyond the zero pod at gmail.com Also, check out our new YouTube page. We'll be back for your next episode next week.